0: It means a lot of things to a lot of different people. I know we have a Nancy Fant and a David Williford and Greg Morton and maybe some others here who understand the practice of law. I know that we have the practice of medicine. We've got Bill Weathers and Jackie Sikowski and Jennifer Goldsmith and others who practice medicine. If you would have come in this room this morning or earlier, you would have seen people practicing instruments, practicing when to come in, who's going to lead what song, when they're going to bail out of a song, how fast the tempo should be. We've got people who like to go to gun ranges and practice shooting targets. Practice. You got Alvin Iverson back in the day who said, Practice! You want me to practice? Like, he's beyond practice and can't believe they want to talk about him not coming to practice. As opposed to a friend last night who told me the quote from Michael Jordan where he said, I don't practice to do it right. I practice so I won't ever do it wrong. Practice. We've got Eric Bianchi and Jack Kane, incredible athletes of our church who practice their athletic skills. We've got Dan Polstra and David Barron who are practicing woodworkers of sorts. You got me. I practice eating and drinking. I wanna be incredible at that. Then you have someone on the movies like Sandra Bullock in the movie Miss Congeniality. Love that movie. Here's this undercover detective who's really just has no social graces at all. I mean, she would rather tackle someone than dance with them. But yet, she's gotta go undercover and figure out what's going on at the pageant. And what does that mean? She almost basically has to go to finishing school. And it's a long, hard process to learn how to walk, how to walk like a lady, how to walk like a lady in heels, how to do your hair, how to put the makeup on, She had to figure out some skill or some talent that she was going to have. But by the end of the movie, she radiated with beauty, radiated with class. And her teacher looked at her and almost had this tear in her eye. Wow. Look what we have done through practice. So why would anybody practice anything? It's because it's important to them. They value. I don't know. I've I've never practiced going outside and throwing bags in the trash can. We just kind of make it happen. But I do remember having what's called a wedding rehearsal. It was very important to me because it was very important to my wife that we learn how we're going to walk down the aisle together, how not to step on the train when we're supposed to turn and look at each other, how we're supposed to put the ring on each other's finger, and if our hands are puffy, that we're not supposed to worry about. Just push it halfway on and stop if you have to, but don't make a big deal of it. We even practiced how to kneel because we both had bad knees and needed to figure out could we actually do it or not and get back up. Practice. You practice because you want to improve. You practice because you want to keep sharp. You practice in athletics because you want something to be second nature. You don't have time in a basketball game for someone to call out, Boston 37, and all of a sudden you start thinking, now where am I supposed to go? When am I supposed to set the pick? When am I supposed to cut back door? Where's the ball? You can't think like that in the middle of a game. It has to become second nature to you and natural. And how does that happen? Through practice. You practice because it's valuable. So does anyone here practice anything? I'll tell you this. The passage that we're getting ready to read will tell you this. Everyone, without exception, who is a Christian, practices righteousness, purity, obedience, worship, and love. This is just what it means to be a child of God You're not in the practice of law. You're not in the practice of medicine. You're in the practice of righteousness if you're a Christian. Let me try to prove that to you now. We're just going to walk through the text. Then we're going to summarize the text. It's not a long sermon, I don't think, today. I've tried to take a very complex passage and make it simple. Let's see what we can learn. 1 John 2, 28 and 29. And now, little children... Abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. We'll stop for a moment. We're going through chapter, verse 10. But this right here is a transition statement. What we have him doing is kind of reviewing where he was last week and previewing where he's going. And you can basically just see two main points. Review, if you're a child of God, abide. Preview, if you're a child of God, practice. That's the big idea right here. You have been so loved. As a child, you have fellowship with God. You have fellowship with the church. You walk in obedience. You walk in the word. You keep step with him. You love God. And why do you do all these things? Why do you get to enjoy propitiation? And uh, why do you get to enjoy eternal life? Why do you have an advocate before the Father in heaven? It's because he abides with you. You abide with him. That was last week's sermon. We can go on. We carry on here. Abide. Rest. Commune. Pray. But then look what he says. If you know that he is righteous speaking of God if you know a basic elementary truth this is not hard to understand if you know that he is righteous there's something else you know there's something else that you can absolutely be sure of what is that if you know that he is righteous you know that everyone do you see the universal term there all-inclusive. Everyone in a category. Every single person born of him, and we'll talk about being born of him in a second. This is the first of 10 different times when he will use this born of him language in the upcoming verses and chapters. Every single one of you who know that God is righteous, I'll tell you what else you know if you know that. You know that everyone born of him practices righteousness. There's the big idea. There's the thesis. But he's not done talking about it. He kind of repeats himself and goes back at it again, like some of these songs we sing, where you're just going back over it again and and meditating on it. Let's keep going. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that the world did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And so, in theological terms, we talk about the indicative before the imperative. It's who you be before what you do. And this is important in the gospel, that we understand if you have to do something in order to get something, that's, that's religion, and it's not helpful. You'll never make it. Christianity teaches we be something, and it results in us doing something. So he starts with this, and he looks at you, and he says, behold. He says, see, refocus on this. Make this a big idea to you. The Father's love. Oh, the Father's love is a strange love. In the Greek, it's been translated here, What kind of love is this? Like, you've seen love, but you've never seen anything like this. Behold, what sort of love is this that's given to you, that's gifted to you, in the old King James, that's lavished upon you? The Father's love is a fatherly love that's a gifted love that's an out-of-this-world alien, foreign. You've never seen anything like this love. It's an adoptive love. This is interesting. For not, You're just not kind of accepted or tolerated as a sinner. You're not just kind of pardoned. Well, we know you're really bad, but I don't want to judge you, so now I'm going to give you a pardon. But I, You're not merely accepted. Okay, I've tolerated you. I've been long-suffering. I've pardoned you, and now you can kind of be near me. You're not even just like a a servant, where, okay, you can be in my presence as long as you serve me. You're not even like a citizen. Yes, I'll let you live in my kingdom and I'll let you enjoy the benefits of being with me. You're not even just a friend, where, come near, I'll let you hang. You and I can be kind of tight. You're a son, a daughter. A child. He can save you without adopting you, but he doesn't choose to. He chooses to bring you into his household. Can you imagine that he takes you who were a child of the devil and you who are an enemy of God, and he saves you and makes you his own? This is incredible. What sort of love is this? It's a strange love, a love, an adoptive love. It's a finishing love. He's not done loving you. For one day, he's coming again. And when he comes again, there are going to be some, and you're going to be the bad guys this day. I've heard from people over here, they're tired of being the goats. They're the sheep today. You're the goats. There's going to be a day when people who don't know Christ see him, and the text tells you what the response is going to be. It's not going to be when I stand with joy before the throne like we just sang. It's going to be shrinking in cowardice wailing stay away from us not so with those who are sheep with those who are sons and daughters when he comes incredible joy no shrinking instead of incredible confidence why what a day this is going to be this glorious day we will see him as he is and we will be like him. That means be like him with a resurrected body, but that means be like him with that wretched man war that's going on on the inside that Mark read about. Totally done. As we now are only victorious all the time, how awesome it's going to be. What kind of love is this that the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God? Verses 3 through 6. And everyone who thus hopes in him, there's that everyone again, purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So there's this everyone. Everyone who has hope. That's you guys. Everyone who knows he is righteous. Everyone who knows you're supposed to practice righteousness. Everyone who knows he or she is pure. This is good news. This, this is what it means to be a Christian. What do we do? We purify ourselves. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Paul says the same thing. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Paul clearly understood that Christians engage in daily present tense purification of body and spirit to which they themselves participate. There's no other way of looking at this either in John or in Corinthians where Christians are actively involved in somehow purifying themselves by applying the merit of Jesus Christ and running to the gospel. Obviously, that's what it means in both our body and and our spirit which continually need repurification, re-cleansing, which is why John has already told you if you confess your sins, he's faithful to keep cleansing you of all sin and unrighteousness. This is what Christians do, everyone in this camp. Everyone practices righteousness. Everyone purifies themselves. What do they not do that you do if you're in the bad camp. If you're still lost in your sins. You practice sinning. You practice lawlessness. You see the difference in practice? Uh, You guys are practicing standing at the line shooting your free throws to make it. They're standing at the free throw line practicing throwing as hard as they can at the backboard to see if it can bounce back and hit them in the head. Their practice is different than your practice because their value is different than your value. And this is, you're practicing lawlessness. This is not a failure. It's not, you're just practicing second best. It's not that you're just not living up to your full potential. It's not just that you're suffering or that you have a little piccadillo. No, you're practicing Lawlessness. So we're starting to see the two camps now. Everyone practices righteousness, everyone practices unrighteousness. So now we're starting to ask ourselves the question, what are we practicing? Oh, not how well are we doing? This is important for us to understand. It's how well are you practicing? What is important to you? Where do you find your value? What are you rehearsing over and over again because you want to get better? These people want to get better at holiness. These people want to get better at unholiness. So they practice it. What do we know also? We know from this text that Christ dominates Satan and sin. In the past, Christ came down to save these people from that. Christ appeared in the past... He's already shown up to do what? To take that which you hate now, sin, and save you from it. That's why he appeared in the past. What does he do in the present? He abides in you, and you abide in him, and his spirit abides in you, and his word abides in you, so much so that you can't even think now any longer of, I want to get better at practicing sin. Oh, you still sin. You still fall, but it's not because you're practicing it because you're saying, I want to get better at it. I want to be known as the Hall of Fame sinner. I want to make it to that level, professional level, so let's practice it. No, Christ is the one who saves us from this. How can we walk in it any longer? In In Ephesians, we're told that by grace, you're saved through faith. This isn't of yourself. This is the gift of God, received by grace through faith, not of ourselves. We don't get to boast about this, but this is what Christ is doing for us in order that we can then, what, walk in the works. We can be the poem that he is writing. It's not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. All glory to Christ. But we're starting to see the two camps. Practicing righteousness. Practicing lawlessness. We read on, verses 7 through 9. Little children, speaking tenderly to his friends, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness... I love this verse. Can you finish it for me in a second? Whoever practices righteousness... Whoa, that's awesome, as he is righteous. But whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Oh, little children, can you hear John talking to you? My brothers and my sisters who have all these benefits. You're abiding in Christ. Christ is abiding in you. We have fellowship one with another because we have fellowship with God. Let me tell you, don't be deceived. This should sound familiar. There are antichrists walking around. Those people over there. They're liars, we learned last week. They're deceivers. They want to mess up the law and make it no big deal. They want to mess up the gospel and make it something that you have to do. They want to mess up the Son of God as if he's not fully God and fully man. Those antichrists, don't be deceived. Don't buy what they're selling. Oh, little children, don't be deceived. There are hellish family traits from the family of hell. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. He started with sin, and he never stops. Do you know why the devil has been sinning from the beginning? Because he loves it. He loves lawlessness. He loves unrighteousness. As a matter of fact, he wants to be the goat, the greatest of all time, the greatest possible sinner. There's nothing that pleases him more than for him to mature and for him to become second nature, for he and his family... That they major in sin. That's what it means to practice sin. The devil's been sinning from the beginning. He is practicing sin. And what else is the devil doing? He's reproducing. He's making disciples who make disciples, who make disciples who can't sin as much as they want to. They love sinning. This is what the devil does. He has a family. He reproduces people like himself that practice sin. That's the hellish family. But don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. There's this holy family. God is righteous and pure from the beginning. Before the beginning, we could say that about God. And God is destroying the works of the devil. He's going to war. He's like Moses. When Moses went in, to mess with Pharaoh and his gods and to rescue his people, that's your God coming to save you from Satan. He's the one who plunders Satan's house. house. He comes in and he takes those that belong to Satan, some of them, and he brings them and establishes them in his own house. Uh, Jesus Christ is the one who demons can't stand against them. He exercises and throws them over the cliff until the day comes when he throws them into the abyss. This is what God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit do. You got this devil who works sin, who's building his kingdom, and God is the one who says, I come to destroy the works of the devil. And he does it on the outside of you and on the inside of you. This is what God says that he does. He is also loving and reproducing. Born again language is going to be used now. Or hear seed language. God is the one who imparted his seed into you, which caused you to be regenerated. It caused you to be born again. It caused you to have some of his spiritual DNA. Your old nature is now replaced by your new nature or your super nature. And this is what God does. And who does God do this for? The people that he calls Righteous. That's why I wanted to pause here. Even before we get to practicing righteous, God here in John says, you people, you are righteous. And that's why you practice righteousness. This is be-do theology. Who you be leads to what you do. So if you find in yourself some desire to say, I kind of like God. I kind of like Righteousness. I kind of like purity. As a matter of fact, I wish I was more righteous and more pure than I am. And I want to practice and get better at that, even though I sin horribly and want it more than I should. This is good news. You are righteous. And that's why he's saying now, live it out. The Christ that's in you, let it flow. Practice this. Get better at it. Show you value it. Let it become more your subconscious action. This is what it means to be in the family of God as opposed to the family of Satan. But whether you're in this family or this family, your chip's off the old block. Or that phrase, like father, like son, gets proven out. We then go to the final verse, verse 10. By this... It is evident. It started off with, you can be sure of this. Now it says, by this, it is evident. Your children of God, or your children of the devil, you can figure this out. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so that's how you know you're in because today you say I want to practice righteousness I want to practice love I'm not that good at it I'm not that pure I'm not that cleansed I need to purify myself but I know my heart and right now my heart is telling me I want to get better at loving my brother at keeping the commandments at walking in the light walking in the word walking in his commandments keeping step with Jesus I want that. You know why you want that? Because he's your father. And you're righteous. So here's a chart that you're not going to be able to read. Oh, it's not that bad. It's, it's, it's the wrong font size. John, can you read it back there or no way? You got it. All right. This is a review. I can send this to you if you want. What we just did was biblical theology as we walk through a text. This is systematic theology as we put all the parts together in ways that might be helpful. But theres you have a father, and he's either the one who's been sinning from the beginning, or he's either the one who's righteous, pure, and sinless, who unnaturally loves you, gifts you with his love, came to take away your sins and destroy the works of the devil. Who's your daddy? Then what do we learn? He has children, some of those children, of those who know not God. They're called the world. They like each other. They don't know you. They're children of the devil. They're actually called that. As opposed to you who are Christians, you are born of God. You are children of God. You are of him. You are his little children. You are the beloved. He uses lots of different terms over and over again. There's one patriarch, and then there's the family. Who's your daddy? Whose family are you in? Well, well, these people over here, sorry, maybe next week you'll sit over there. Uh, they're declared unrighteous. It doesn't say that in the text. I just need to put that there. You're sinners. You're lawless. But who are you people over there? You are those who are declared righteous. You just is. You just are. You are those who know God. You see God. You abide in God. Oh, little children, what a great place to be. So what's the family trait, the family tattoo, the family crest? The family mark. How do we know who's in what family? comes down to practice, doesn't it? Those people over there, they're practicing sin, practicing lawlessness, practicing loving themselves, loving the world, but not you. You're practicing righteousness, not sinning. Loving your brothers, and when you find that you're not as good at it as you want, You don't deny your sin, but because the truth is in you, you confess your sin and you purify yourselves because this is just what you do, because this is your new heart. You're practicing who you be. And what's the future look like? Ultimately, for all of you who don't repent over here in the hellish side, it's not so good at the end. Yeah, the world will love you now. They know you. But when you see him who comes back at his second coming, you will shrink without confidence in comparison to these sinners over here who know that one day they will see him who is their greatest friend. They will see him face to face and they will be with him, like him, forever and ever. So how do you apply this four final words and we're done? Understand. I told you. It's not rocket science. This isn't post-grad work, even graduate work. This isn't even college level. A middle schooler can understand this. Well, you got this. There are only two groups. There's two defining marks. Which one are you in? Are you in or are you out? What do you value? What do you desire? What do you want to practice getting out of here today? That tells you where you are. Secondly, receive Jesus Christ. I talk to all of you over here. Just let me keep going. What do you do if you're now convicted right now? Maybe someone over here. What do you do if you're now fearful? What do you do if you say, Wow, I've been wanting to practice sin, but right now I find myself for the first time wanting to practice righteousness. What do you do... This is how regeneration works. That God comes to sinners, God starts messing with them, and all of a sudden, he implants his seed in them, and they start wanting things they never wanted, fearing things they never feared. And this is the day of salvation. Today could be the day when someone goes from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light because Satan's house is getting plundered. I want to be on that plunder team of Jesus. I would love to be used by him to go rescue the perishing and bring them home to glory. Is that the day for you today? Don't worry about your past. Worry about right now. Jesus says, call on me and I will answer. Confess your sins. They will be cleansed. You will be forgiven. You right now can know that you're in the kingdom of heaven. If all of a sudden you say, I want to practice righteousness... I haven't even done it yet. I don't know how well I'll do it. I don't know how long it'll take me to look different than I am now. But that's what I want. If that's you, call on Jesus Christ and be saved today. Thirdly, abide. We are not taking this passage and forgetting the gospel. If you heard a do-be theology, I communicated poorly. Or you didn't listen well. Legalism says this. You get in this group by practicing righteousness, and you stay in this group by how well you practice righteousness. That's not what we preach here, because that's not what your Bible teaches. Your Bible teaches that you can rest in Christ alone, that he is the one who came and did so that you can be. He is the one who came and worked so that you could be, Work. This is where we go here. We understand that fatherhood precedes faithfulness. And faithfulness proves fatherhood. I'm gonna say this in different ways, but let's make sure you get it. Being in precedes looking like the family. It's not the other way around. So fatherhood precedes faithfulness. Faithfulness proves fatherhood, or knowing precedes doing and your doing proves your knowing or his love precedes your love but your love proves his love or finally new nature precedes new practice and new practice shows everyone who has the new nature and so this is not rocket science as i've said before We end by saying, so what do we do now? And I end by saying, whatever you want. And if you want to practice righteousness, go at it. That doesn't make you a legalist. That makes you someone who has a new heart, a new love, a new appreciation for God's good law, a new fascination for his people, a new abhorrence for his... For, for sins and for wickedness, uh, a new passion to read his word, a new desire to grow in prayer, a, a new hunger to gather around his people, practice, set goals, take off things and put on things, kill things and set some behaviorisms in practice and some, some different disciplines in practice. It doesn't make you a legalist to pursue that new heart that Christ has put in you. That's what we're going to do. Let's get better at it and better at it and better at it and practice what we'll be in glory one day. Let's do it now. And as we do, we will grow in joy. We'll grow in usefulness. People will see something different in us and want to know about this Christ. There will be less pain from our sin. We'll still suffer the sins of others. Oh man, our children may start to believe that which we're selling. This is good to practice righteousness, to progress in sanctification, to let it come out what you are on the inside. Why is this good? Because none of those people do it. And every person, Who understands he is righteous, practices righteousness.